Anybody got victory on Tuesday night? Woo! Anybody already got a testimony that God's making a way? Anybody got a testimony already this week uh, that if he doesn't do anything else, uh, that he's already worthy of your praise? Hallelujah. High five about eight people on the way to your seat. Tell them my God is good tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated for just a moment tonight. I want to take a very brief opportunity to say what a privilege and an honor it is to have all of our guests here in the house of the Lord with us. Rock Church, would you help me put your hands together one more time? Come on, help me make welcome all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord. Amen. So excited that you're here. For those joining online with us tonight, we're excited that you are tuned in to see what God is doing in this place. And uh, my heart is so full. I looked uh, Sunday. I was up here in the altar giving God the praise. And I felt two little hands reach and wrap around my leg. And when I looked down, it was my little buddy. And I was so excited to look back and see Brother Akeem and Sister Gertrude home this week. And, uh, and then... Tonight, so good to see Sister Pompliano back home. Amen. How many of you thank God for what happened here on Sunday? I'm telling you, we, we had, had literally uh, dozens and dozens of guests here in the house of the Lord on Sunday. And when we got to the altar call, there were a handful of people that received the Holy Ghost in the altars and when we were finished Jake was baptized in Jesus name came out of the water speaking in tongues as God filled him with the Holy Ghost and uh, just an amazing time in, in, in uh, the presence of God this weekend and uh, I want to make one other brief announcement uh, to this church tonight uh, we have been praying uh, for many many weeks Yea, even months and even years for the health of Brother Sean Bennett. And uh, for those of you who are not aware, in, in very recent days, he was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And they believe that this is a, uh, a result of some of the medication that he's been on for a very long time. And they have made the decision to put Brother Bennett into hospice this week. And so Brother Bennett has asked uh, that if anybody uh, would, he would love an opportunity to, to talk with you. He would love an opportunity uh, to, to catch up with you. And he asked that anybody that would uh, give him a phone call before Thursday. They're going to be taking him into hospice on Thursday. And uh, it may become... Uh, increasingly difficult to communicate. And uh, so we want to pray tonight. And I know that we've already prayed for him, but I want us to stand and pray one more time tonight for Brother Sean Bennett. Uh, and uh, we, we understand that God is able, and if God wills, 
He can raise him up tonight. Amen. But more than anything, I want us to pray the strength of God upon our dear brother and the peace of God upon our dear brother's mind tonight. Would you lift your hands one more time all over this house and help me pray for Brother Sean Bennett. Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, we lift up our dear brother before you tonight. God, we pray that even right now as we call upon your name in this sanctuary, that you would reach your hand into that hospital room. God, that you would dispatch angels to surround him where he is tonight, God. That you would lift up his arms, God. God, that you would let his faith be increased tonight. God, let peace that passes all understanding, let peace that passes all of the doctor reports, let peace that passes every symptom keep his mind, God, and his heart tonight. Breathe as a rushing mighty wind, a refreshing uh, into his room tonight, God. And let him feel your presence surrounding him even tonight, God. We thank you and we give you the praise and the glory and the honor. Let's give God the praise one more time tonight. Hallelujah. Come on, let's thank God. Amen. Grab your Bibles, if you would, um, as we hasten to the word of the Lord. As you know, of course, we have been in a series for many, many weeks uh, on holiness. And we have just a few more lessons to complete the series. And uh, this week, uh, weekend, as I was preparing and praying about tonight's service, I felt like the Lord wanted me to take a moment tonight and interject a, uh, a, 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 a concept tonight that uh, is one of the keys to the revelation of holiness. And uh, I, instead of just going into the very next lesson that I would normally teach, I felt like the Lord directed me to a portion of scripture that I want to bring before you tonight. And you can kind of consider this tonight as a preface, if you will, uh, maybe as a, a key uh, of context for the next few lessons. And I believe that God wants to help somebody tonight. Amen. Now, listen, I I'm going to give you the gift of time tonight. Some of these lessons you all have just uh, sat amazingly hungry for the word of the Lord uh, as I've taught well over an hour, many, many weeks. Uh, but tonight, how many of you will give me 15, 20 minutes? It's not a trick question. <laughs> Y'all waiting for me to count 20, 40, 60, 80. If the Lord will help me tonight, I, I do not anticipate holding you very long. But I want to give you something tonight that I, that I believe is a key uh, to revelation in Scripture. And uh, if you will grab what God gives you tonight, uh, I'll have you out of here before Waffle House closes. Amen. 
Amen. Let's look at two verses of scripture and then I'm going to do my best to connect them tonight. Let's go first uh, to the book of Genesis chapter three and verse number one. And uh, we'll begin reading there tonight. Amen. The media team could put that up for me. It says, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. He approaches Eve and he begins by asking a question concerning a directive from God. Verse number two. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Just keep flowing with me. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew. Did we skip a verse? Verse six. Media, back me up to six. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. That's good. One more verse of Scripture, Isaiah chapter 28, verse number 9, is where I want to begin reading. It says, whom shall he teach knowledge? Somebody say knowledge. And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. For precept, somebody say precept, must be upon precept. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak. 
speak to this people. This is prophecy of the Holy Ghost. Verse 12, to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Now give me the A clause of the next verse. But the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. And for a few moments tonight, I just want to talk to you for a moment about lines and precepts. Lines and precepts. Let's clap our hands and thank God for his word one more time tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. When we think about precepts, I want to introduce it to you this way tonight. Michelangelo described his artwork one time as he looked at a chunk of granite and he made the remark and said that the finished sculpture was already there inside of the rock. All he had to do was remove the extra material away from it. In the mind of the artist, and if you're an artist here tonight, you know what I'm talking about. In the mind of the artist, the art piece is finished before you ever begin. In the mind of the artist, it is already completed. And so, for a painter, the beginning of putting the brush onto the canvas is the beginning of the process of something that is already completed. This is why you've got to be careful not to judge an artist while he works. Because you may not fully appreciate where the artist is going. When you look at the process, you may not completely understand what is happening because in the mind of the artist, it is already completed. It is already there, the image, the beauty. And so, if you are going to understand the artist, you've got to really get inside of the mind of the artist. The, the understanding of the artist is not in his hands, it's in his mind. Because it is in his mind that it is already completed. And so, this is why I submit to you tonight that one of the most powerful things in the world are ideas. Everything begins with an idea. The shoes that you're wearing tonight were an idea first. The clothes that you're wearing tonight, they were an idea first. This building that we're sitting in tonight was an idea first. 
before it became the reality of what we see today. And so, if you really want to understand the origin of something, you have to understand the mind of its creator. And when we think about precept, a precept is simply the beginning of a thought. When a thought first is accepted by the mind, it becomes a precept. When it is conceived, it becomes a concept. The word precept is a, uh, a compound word, and if you look it up in the original, it means before take or before being taken. A precept is what exists before the thing is taken. And when the precept is conceived, it becomes a concept. And a concept means to take and to hold. When the thought becomes something that is held onto, eventually it becomes a concept. And the concept is simply the image of a precept or an idea. It becomes conceptual. And a concept, when it is communicated, becomes a word. If you have a concept and you want to take the concept that is in your mind and you want to put that concept into somebody else's mind, you have to work through the medium of a word. A word is simply an exposed thought. It is simply a manifested thought. And there's so many scriptures we could talk about tonight. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. The word is simply the manifestation of a concept. And why is this so important to understand? Because if you go to the book of John, Chapter number one, the Bible says, in the beginning was the word. When you begin to study the etymology of the word, word, it comes from the Greek word logos. And when you study the definition of logos, it means the expressed idea. Are you with me tonight? It means the expressed thought or idea. In the beginning was the expressed idea. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by 
by him. The act of creation, uh, the artist himself, uh, it began uh, as an expressed idea. The logos of God became expressed uh, in the word of God. Uh, and when you keep studying John chapter 1, verse 13 eventually says, uh, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so if you really want to know about the mind of the artist, uh, then you have to uh, study uh, the word that comes out of his mouth. Uh, if you really want to know everything there is to know uh, about God, uh, then you have to study Jesus uh, because he is God uh, manifest uh, in the flesh. Oh, am I in the right church tonight? He is the word incarnate. And so there is something powerful when we begin to understand that the word of God is more than ink on a paper. That the word of God is more than some mystical uh, literary work uh, that is of the ancient ages. Uh, but what you hold in your hand uh, is a key uh, and a revelation uh, to understanding uh, the creator uh, of the universe. Uh, and what you hold in your hand uh, is the key of revelation uh, concerning uh, Jehovah God. Somebody shout his word. And so his word is established as precepts, line upon line. And for every word that you read in scripture, every line, there is a precept for the concept. And so... It is not enough for me just to know the word. I want to know the concept behind the word. You better get with me because I'm already at the halfway mark tonight. If I'm going to really understand something about the God that I serve, then, then I don't just want to study the word itself. I want to understand the precept behind the word. I want to understand how God feels about it. I want to understand God's ways about it. You see, anybody can just memorize words off of a page. Anybody can just intake uh, the reading of literary work uh, off of the page. But there is an element uh, of God's spirit uh, that when we worship him uh, in spirit and truth, uh, when we receive the gift uh, of the Holy Ghost, uh, this is not just ordinary word, uh, but the Bible says that his word uh, is quick uh, and powerful. Uh, it is alive to us. 
us. And when you begin to study and read the words, the words that are printed on these pages, baby, they are more than poetic writings. They are something supernatural. And there is a power that can be understood concerning the concept and the precept of the creator. Let, let, let me try to bring this home to you a little bit tonight. The Bible tells us that in one place that the word of the Lord was of none effect to them that heard it, not being mixed with faith. It wasn't that they didn't get the word. It was that their faith was not mixed with it. And in order to ascertain the concept and the precept, there has to be a mixing of the faith uh, of God's people uh, with his word. Now when you study that scripture that, that it was made of none effect, not being mixed with faith, the closest thing that we can use to exemplify that is kind of like when you make orange juice from, uh, from concentrate. Anybody make orange juice from concentrate before? I got five honest people. The rest of y'all got that Tropicana money. I need some honest people that have made it from concentrate before. I couldn't afford all the, all the good stuff. Had to crack open that can of concentrate. What is it? What, what has happened is that that can of concentrate they have taken the essence of the orange juice and they have pulled the water and the moisture out of it and they have brought it down to its most basic elements to put it in that little frozen can. And what you have to do in order to get the orange juice back is you have to add water to it. When you add water to that concentrate, it, it goes through a process called reconstitution. It takes it from its current state of compression to its original state of completion. And now that one little can that was frozen makes a gallon or two of orange juice back to its original state. That's what happens to the Word of God when it's mixed with faith. Let me explain. The Bible says this concerning the word of God, that concerning Jesus' ministry, it says if everything that Jesus had done in this world was written down, that the worlds could not contain the books that they would be written in. There would be so much literature to try and communicate and encapsulate the essence or the concept or precept of who God is that the world could not contain it. And so instead of having a world full of books, God took everything about himself and he compressed it into a concentrate version called the word of God. And so when you're holding this word of God, 
you don't understand the magnitude of what is in your hand. You're not just reading a simple, for every verse printed in this book, there are volumes of revelation concerning that one verse of scripture. And so when you read the scripture that simply says God is love and you begin to mix your faith with that verse of scripture, you now go from the written word and your faith begins to unlock the concept and the precepts of God that caused him to put in his word. The love of God begins to expand and your revelation from one verse of scripture, it begins to reconstitute itself in your life. Can you imagine if one verse is that powerful when you begin to mix it with faith, how great your revelation of God's word can become. And so there's power in his word. And why this is so important is because the enemy hates the word of God. And we see it as a primary factor in the word of God going to the book of Genesis. The first way that the enemy comes against God's people is by trying to mess up the word of God in their lives. And here's how he does it. God comes to Adam and Eve. He gives them a word. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Remember, for every word that is spoken, there is a concept. There is a precept of revelation. This is why... I'm going to flip this now. If you want to really understand the word, then you've got to get into the mind of the artist. It is not enough just to read his word. You've got to get a relationship with the author. If you're going to get a revelation of the concept and the precept of his word, you can't just admire his handiwork. You have to get into the mind of the author of his word. Come on, somebody. I don't want to just memorize a scripture. God, I want you to give me revelation. I want to get so close to you uh, that I understand why you said uh, what you said. Uh, I want to walk with you, God, uh, so that I can feel uh, and understand why uh, your word. Because if you can get it like that, uh, then no devil in hell uh, will be able to steal the word of God out of your spirit. Uh, it's got to go from the head and it's got to make its way into your heart this is what made David see I'm already out of time this is what made David capture the heart of God 
And this is what causes God to refer to David as a man after his own heart. There's two places in scripture that you can find this. One is in 1 Samuel uh, chapter number 13. The other one is in the book of Acts where it says that David is a man after his own heart. In the book of Acts, when you look at the original word for the word heart, it is uh, the word, um, it's the same cardia where we get the, the word cardio or things that have to do with the heart. But when you look at 1 Samuel chapter 13, the original word used there for heart in its original context is the Hebrew word for the word mind. David is a man after my mind. David didn't just want to be able to recite. David said, I've got to know the shepherd. You read Psalms 119 and over 18 times, David references, teach me thy precepts. Show me thy statutes. God, I, I, I can read what's here, but God, I want to take it to the next level. I want to have an experience with your word that is beyond the written pages that I'm reading. God, as I'm reading the scripture, this is why so many times when I am praying, I'm, I have my Bible with me, or so many times when I'm studying his word, it will become spontaneous prayer because I'm reading the word of the Lord and I'm saying, God, I see it and I'm reading it but God I want to know the concept I want to understand the precepts I want to get closer to your mind why did you write this God why did you say this and so when you begin to examine Genesis chapter 3 in this context you understand that the enemy comes and he tries to pollute God's word to Adam and Eve. How does he do this? Because what happens is when I want to communicate a precept that has become a concept, I have to use words. The word becomes the manifestation of the concept to you. But when there is a breakdown or an interruption in communicating the concept, it becomes a misconception. It's the same place we, same word we use when a woman, when the sperm enters the egg, we call it conception. That which is given it's that which is prepared to receive and, is, and, and the potential of life is created. We call that conception. 
And there's something that happens when God's word hits fertile soil. There is conception that takes place. There is something born in the hearts and the minds of humanity through his word. But what the enemy does is he brings misconception. And at the point of God's word being brought into the place of reception, the enemy tries to bring confusion and misdefine the word of God. And so he comes to Eve. Did God say? And the first thing he does is he misquotes what God said. Did God say that you can't eat out of any of the trees in the garden? Always trying to get people to focus on what they can't do. Instead, can you imagine standing in the midst of a garden that God created just for you with untold beauty and resources and trees beyond everything you can imagine and the only thing you can think about is the one tree that God said, don't touch it. She said, no, God said we could eat, but we but we can't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And not only can we not eat of it, but we can't touch it. Now here's a difference. Eve did not get this information from God directly. God did not speak to Eve. He spoke to Adam. And when he speaks to Adam, in the latter part of chapter 2, he tells Adam, don't eat of the tree. But Adam, because of his relationship with the author of the word, has a revelation of concept and precept. There's something different in his relationship. And he understands uh, the reason is God doesn't want anything to separate us. There's a love between the creator and his creation and God doesn't want anything that would mess it up. And so because of his revelation, he introduces another layer to Eve. And when he tells Eve what God said, he doesn't just tell her that they can't eat it. He says, not only can't we eat it, but we cannot touch it. That did not come from God. That was not black and white from God. That was introduced because of the revelation of precept and concept that Adam had concerning his walk with God. And so as a protection, because he valued, he said, if we can't eat it, then I'm going to set a line even farther back over here. And I understand that if we don't touch it, then we'll never be tempted to eat it. And so Eve, I know God never told us that we couldn't touch it. But Eve, I'm laying down the law that we don't even touch the, the fruit. Are you with me tonight? 
And let me just tie this in, and I'm trying to hurry tonight. When you begin to understand holiness as more than just a list of scriptures and rules, and you begin to fall in love with God, and you begin to fall in love with the author, then it doesn't become difficult for us to begin to embrace precepts and concepts that we understand are there to protect our relationship with God. We begin to understand nobody's making me do this. Nobody's putting pressure on me. Nobody's brainwashed me. Somebody has blood washed me. And I've been bought and I've been redeemed. And I've got a revelation that I love my Savior. And I want to be holy because he is holy. And so I, I'm going to obey the letter of the law, but I'm going to do better than that. I don't just want to know the word. God, show me the concept. God, give me a revelation of the precept. Because if you can get that revelation, no devil in hell will ever be able to speak a word that would cause you to transgress the word of God. This is a powerful point in our study of holiness because there are going to be tenets of holiness as we begin to preach and teach. There are going to be some things that are black and white in Scripture that are right there, Brother Dalen, for you to read the chapter and the verse. But there's going to be some things that God gave you a pastor after his own heart. Come on. There's going to be some concepts uh, that come that uh, God said, uh, I've put it in the hands uh, and the stewardship uh, of the shepherd uh, to protect the sheep. Uh, and there's going to be some things, uh, Brother Dalen, uh, that when I begin to preach, uh, I, don't I don't have a verse in Scripture uh, that says thou shalt uh, and thou shalt not. Uh, but I can take you uh, to the concept uh, and the precept uh, of the author uh, that understands uh, this is what God loves. Uh, this is what God detests. Uh, and because we have a revelation uh, of what he loves uh, and what he detests, uh, we can draw lines. Uh, we can set boundaries uh, that say, hey, uh, I know God said don't eat it, uh, but we're saying don't even touch it uh, because if we draw the line here, uh, then we'll never be in trouble uh, when it comes to eating the forbidden let's stand tonight I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to close and so holiness has to become more than the letter of the law to you it has to become more than the manifest idea Something on the inside of you has to say, God, I need to get close to you to feel your heart. God, I want to understand the concept. I want to understand the precept. Because there's going to be times when the enemy comes to you.
and challenges God's word in your life. Come on, somebody. God showed us from the very first book of the Bible the tactic of the enemy. There's going to come times, and, and it's not going to be when you've just come through a red-hot prayer meeting on Sunday night and you're shouting in victory. He's more cunning than that. But he's going to find you in moments of despair and struggle. He's going to find you in moments where your faith is under pressure. And just like he did in the book of Genesis, the most subtle beast of the field will pull up next to you. Now, here's the interesting thing. She had the opportunity every day to walk with the creator. Every day with her helpmeet that God gave her. Well, I guess she was the helpmeet. What was it that somehow this serpent developed a relationship with her? Somewhere she left herself in a place of vulnerability to the voices that she allowed in her life. And somewhere she missed the discernment of the intentions of the serpent. He had intentions from the very beginning to beguile Eve. And one of the first lessons we learn as we open the pages of this book is not every voice in your life has good intentions. I don't care how friendly they seem. I don't care how nice, how innocuous it seems. You've got to protect the voices that you allow to speak to you in your life. Why? Because words are powerful. And when you open yourself up to dialogue and you've built a friendship with people, you begin to place value on their words. But their words are not coming from a pure fountain. And you don't even realize that as they speak, they will speak precepts. That if the precept sits there long enough, it will become a concept. Conception of that thought takes place and it begins to grow in your mind and your spirit. This is what happens with Eve. The Bible sometimes is written in a way that we, we don't really have the full sense of time that passes. We read it in a couple of verses and it seems all to happen instantaneously. But I don't know that it happened so quickly at one moment that the enemy started speaking to her. 
And she began to think about the words he said. And it wasn't long before the concept of God became misconception. And misconception leads to misunderstanding. And it takes you off the path of righteous living. And so we learn from the very beginning of the book that you've got to guard the voices that are in your life. If this is nothing more than a book full of verses, there's going to come a time when the enemy comes to you and challenges what's written in its pages. Didn't God? Didn't. She said, God said we'd die. He stood flat-footed and said, thou shalt not die. That's not true. Actually, God knows that if you eat of it, you're going to become like God's. But if Eve had taken it a step further and said, I just don't want to know his commandments. I want to know the concepts, precepts. Then it wouldn't have mattered what that serpent would have said. She would have said, I know the heart of my God. I know the intentions of the God that I serve. Devil, you're a liar. I reject what you're saying to me. I reject the thoughts that you're trying to put into my mind. I reject the precepts that you're trying to plant in my spirit. I reject them. Listen, if you're going to be successful living for God, you're going to have to fall in love with this book. And there are going to come moments in your life that you're going to have to pick up this book and say, I don't care what my mind says right now. I don't care what kind of thoughts are trying to intrude my thinking. Let God be true and let every man be a, a liar. It is from this disposition that God builds a life of holiness in our life. Not an I have to, but with everything in my heart, God, I want to please you. Tell you what I want us to do tonight. Grab your Bibles all over this house. If you, if you didn't bring your Bible, you should be bringing it to every church service. <laughs> bring your Bible to church. I want you to grab your Bible and come to this altar tonight. And if you got an app on your phone, I guess grab your phone. There's something about the written word. There's something about holding a book in your hands. Come on, I want you to get as close to the altar as you can. See, that's part of it. I want to get as close to the altar as I can because I want to get as close to God as I can. I'll fight you for the front row. I ain't trying to sit back as far as I can. I'm trying to get as close as I can.
We've studied for weeks on various topics concerning holiness. We've got a few more lessons left. But in the middle of this series, I felt like God told me to take a moment and speak to his people. That we've got to fall in love with his word. It's got to become more than just a set of rules and regulations and standards and all of those things. No. God, there's a reason why you said what you said. And God, I've got to know what it is. I want to get so close to you that I understand why you feel like you feel about it. Would you lift your hands all over this place? I wonder if we could take a few moments tonight as you clutch your word next to you tonight. Would you lift up your hands? And begin to pray right now. God, I'm hiding your word in my heart tonight, Jesus. God, I'm hiding your word in my heart. Come on, that's it. Come on, God, God wants us to take a moment this week. And say, God, I love your word. God, I can't separate your word from you. God, I've got to know you as the author. Just to be close to you. God, why did you write this in your words? Let me stand in your presence until I feel your love. Let me stand in your presence, God. Until the light of revelation comes upon me. Come on, in the name of Jesus. In the name That's of Jesus. Somebody sing just, just to be, be close. close to I've got to be close to you. Just to be close to you. Come on, on this Tuesday night. Just somebody. To be close to you. Somebody reaffirm your love for his word tonight. Lord, just to be just to be close to you. Just to be close to you. Just to be close to Just you. Just to be close to you. Yes, Jesus. Is my I've got to be close to you. I've got to be close to you. I've got to be close to you. Come on, somebody take a few moments tonight. Come on. I've got to be that's my desire. That's my desire. Lord, let me be. Let me be close to you. Let me be close to you. Let me be close to you. Lord, let me be. Let me be close to you. That's my. pray in the Holy Ghost Lord draw me close come on if you'll pray in the Holy Ghost Lord draw Ooh. me close that's my desire Lord draw me close to you Lord draw me close to you Yeah. 
Time, lift up your voice all over this place just to be, just close, to to be you. close to you. Somebody sing just to be just to be close to you. Just to be close to you. Just to be close to you is my is desire. My desire. Yeah. Lord, make me close to you. Lord, make me close to you. Lord, make me close. 